short reading from Overliked by Rob Singleton. Instead of rose-colored glasses, we now view the world through social goggles. Instead of defining our worth by who we are, we have learned to define our worth by how we're seen by others, by who likes us or not. That is a whole lot of power to give to a bunch of avatars. Yep, the people you are hoping will validate your existence aren't real. <laughs> the influencers, the game changers, even your coworker who recently friended you on LinkedIn, whoever they are online, is not who they are in real life. Admit it, neither are you. The you that you reveal to the world via Instagram or on Facebook is rarely the real you. It is a carefully crafted avatar with curated content, filtered photos, and edited dialogue. A patchwork of your best moments, your coolest vacations, your highlight reels, and your snappiest social commentary. With the power of technology, you are crafting the person you long to be. The person who has it all together. Or should I say, the persona that has it all together. People from my parents' generation recall being afraid that someone might watch them or that they'd be caught by surprise on camera. Today, young people expect it. In fact, the disorder called scopophobia is the fear of being seen. Today, it's listed by one writer as one of the 10 weirdest phobias that exists, right up there with the fear of the Pope, papaphobia, the fear of peanut butter, arachabutyrophobia, and the fear of teenagers, epiphobia. Who could imagine being afraid of any of that? Well, maybe, I suppose, sometimes the teenager one. However, one weird phobia is on the rise. It's called nomophobia, the fear of being without a mobile device or without cell phone coverage. It's as frightening as a trip to the dentist or wedding day jitters. Psychology Today reports that 65% of Americans sleep with their phones beside them, mm -hmm, and more than half never switch them off. And all joke aside, every joke is being put aside here in this conversation today. I'm adding that. 34% of Americans answer their cell phones even during times of intimacy with their partner, thus revealing which, like, they value more. And a growing number of college students even shower with their cell phones. Buckle up, heartlifters. Today, I'm afraid we're going to be stepping on some toes. I'm going to be pointing the fingers to myself. And we are going to be having a really serious conversation with Pastor Rob Singleton about this thing called social media and digital distraction. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. 
So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Welcome. Welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. As I said, buckle up, Heartlifters. Woo! Stronger Everyday Community. We have got Pastor Rob Singleton with us today, and it's going to be honest, and it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be remarkable. And as someone I admire, Brene Brown, on some levels, um, she always says, this is a worthy conversation. So I want you to lean in because I think Rob has a lot to share with us. And his his book, his newer book, new, is Over Like. Finding Direction, Courage, and Meaningful Relationships in a Society Crippled by Social Media. And as a fellow author, I know the power of words and the choices that are um, looked at in going in subtitles. So the the placement of that, that word crippled to me is really important. How long did you tinker with that? Or was that just like, that's the word when you were choosing your subtitle? I mean, that thought was always there. Uh, that word wasn't. We needed to be more hard hitting because, quite mm-hmm. honestly, there's not a nicer word no. that describes what's happening. We are seeing our culture, our society, especially millennials, <laughs> literally mm-hmm. crippled. I mean, they're I paralyzed by giving their life over so much to this and and not putting it in the in the right perspective. By this, I mean social media. Yeah. And we talk millennials, but I was just sharing with the community last week. I'm 62, proud of it. Uh, Women my age spend five to six hours. Six is really the height, but five to six hours a day on Facebook. That's hard to hear. But it's (laughs) that's a true, true stat, true research. And that adds up to over five years of your life, almost six. Yeah. No, I know. I think I've got that in there and that's getting worse. Mm-hmm. I've got it in it the is. book and I don't think it was that high. It certainly wasn't for, uh, yeah. you know, even people over 50, but yeah, it's not, a, you know, I say that with millennial, but I, I know. you know, they're getting a lot of the ramifications, well, but it's, it's everybody's problem. Yeah. But they're, they're the ones I remember a day when we didn't do that. I raised children without this. Yeah. So now I feel like I'm 90, yeah. right. I feel very archaic <laughs> and ancient, but I'm like, Oh, and I bet we would have never even envisioned that. Oh my gosh, I remember dial up, you know, it's crazy. So it is definitely a different problem. And I'm getting ready to have, you know, uh, grandchildren down the road. And I can't imagine what that's going to be like, you know, raising and seeing grandchildren with this tablet in their hand. I'd be like, no. Okay. So this book, I haven't been able to put it down since I got it on my Kindle. So I have the Kindle version. So sometimes the page numbers. I mean, they're supposed to be the same, but they're not. So if I quote a page and it's not right, you're just going to have to forgive me. But Overliked, the title itself, like I don't have the book book, but the title, I mean, and then the cover, I mean, it's just brilliant. It's so, it's so right. So, so right. So in the beginning, can I call you Rob or is it Pastor Rob? Yeah, you know, or- <laughs> you, can, you, you just hit on something that I haven't oh. talked about. I've done so many of these podcasts, but I have not. That title wasn't always that title. The title. Oh, do tell. Uh, I remember. I remember sitting there. Uh, I was sitting at the kitchen table with Lisa, um, and I had this whole idea. This was probably three years ago, and it was called Overlooked, oh. and it was something that was on my heart because Ooh. I thought, why are so many people so obsessed and so hurt by everybody not noticing them, just being overlooked? And as we talked about it more, we thought. They're worried about being overlooked because they're too worried about being overliked. Oh my it's not even gosh. A, 
that's what leads to, you know, overlooked. It shouldn't bother you so much that, you know, that you're not keeping up with the Kardashians or whatever. But overlooked was not the real problem. Overliked is the oh, real you're problem. So right. As I say in my my practice, my therapeutic practice, it's like, oh no, 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 no. That's just a peripheral. Let's get down under. Let's go down under. Yeah, and you said yeah. it. The problem's not being overlooked. The problem is being overliked. That's that's prophetic. That's a prophetic statement. And I think uh well titled. I, I did have somebody comment. You can still see them on, on Amazon. Like I said, we we released this on a completely secular market and it and it was Yeah, well tell received. us about that because you told me and that, but certainly my audience does not know. Well, we did it backwards. I, I mean, I didn't know. We I just started writing later on in life. I, I've always loved it, obviously, write sermons and all, but mm-hmm. um I didn't go with a Christian publisher because a publisher came to me, Greenleaf, that was secular and they had an interest and they really got the ball rolling. Well, immediately there is such a hole and such a, an inauthenticity and a, and a, an issue out there with this in the whole world, not to, not just the church, right? that uh, it, within about two weeks, it was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. It was a USA Today bestseller. And those are things when you launch Christian, yes. um, you usually don't even get noticed there. Not unless so, you're the, the big name. Right. So Lisa's like, well, you did this backwards, but I think it's going to be He's your Speaking of Lisa Turkhurst here, just in case you don't yeah. know. Oh. Yes, yeah, she did write the forward, just in case someone doesn't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're dear friends of ours. And I said, well, is that going to hurt me? That wasn't on purpose. I just don't know what I'm doing. She said, no, I think in the long run, it's going to help you. So, yeah. So um, in the beginning, that's really good to know. I love I love understanding the origin of a title. I love the fact that you um, you went outside perhaps, and, you know, the comfortable zone in a sense, I mean, in a sense, um, but you did use a, a secular publisher. If we go into secular versus Christian or sacred or whatever that argument is. Yeah. Um, but you saw that it, it met a need and it filled a void. And so I love that. And that's where I think our voices are most needed. If I'm being yeah. extremely honest and so in the beginning, you write a hard story, though, and I had to read it twice because I myself have been through an arduous journey. Um, my second book is called Overcoming Hurtful Words, <laughs> how to, you know, it was called Halos with Horns, how to deal with mean women in the church. So, you know, it's like I softened it. And then, you know, the publisher, president of the publishing house is like, ah, let's just call it what it is, Overcoming Hurtful Words, you know, how to rewrite your story. I'm like, OK, that's nice, but it's not really what it's about. <laughs> I like that. You know what? I. You apparently realize the hard way that sheep bite. I mean, they, sheep they bite hard. Heartlifters, we're here at a teaching moment, a lean in moment. I'm so happy Pastor Rob is here to help us navigate some difficult conversations about difficult subject matter. That's what I want to do here more and more bring attention to issues and, um, maladaptive, unhealthy ways of coping and behaving and communicating uh, within our families and within our church communities. I am a follower of Jesus and sometimes we're called sheep and Jesus is called the good shepherd. And so that's why I kind of paused here when Pastor Rob said, you know, sheep bite. And then I added sheep bite hard. 
And as a follower of Jesus, I am a sheep. I can be called a sheep. And I know that I have bitten other people with my words, my actions, my nonverbals, my look, my prosody, all the things we talk about here. I've had unhealthy behaviors uh, recently that I know um, did not bring joy to the table. And I'm willing to accept that about myself and offer myself uh, grace and self-compassion, albeit how hard that is. So what, we, what do we do when sheep bite? Or I, I can't help but say when we bite others. So I just wanted to take a pause here because um, social media has definitely given us a huge blank slate and invisible opportunity to use our words to bite on a wider platform. And so I want to read from Rob's book, and he writes, Everything shows up online now. News of baby births and death of loved ones are shared via post. Critical conversations become sound bites. There's that word. Our emotional invisibility enables us to say and do things we would never say or do in a face-to-face exchange. We've all seen the online disagreements and outright fights between strangers who have never even met. On a national level, a former president of the United States tweeted on-demand thoughts at any time. Half-formed thoughts got the presidential seal of approval and millions of people consumed them. The world is literally at our fingertips, and we are voting with our likes. Lean in. In this age of information and optics, a like is a public stamp of approval. Heartlifter, we have to hear this. We have to hear this with our hearts, our minds, our souls. A like is a public stamp of approval. A virtual representation of your worth. When I like your post or your feed, I validate who you are. I see you. And subsequently, my lack of likes can leave you feeling unseen and dismissed. You don't think so? (laughs) Just recall the last time a post or picture went unnoticed on your feed. This is a moment of self-reflection. It just, it just can't be passed by. What this points to, what this unveils in our lives is our sense of self, our identity, or as we say in this community, our God-breathed view of who we have been created to be. If I need someone's like to feel better about myself, Heartlifter, then I need to do some more heart work. And I've written two books now. My, my second book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, and then of course, Stronger Every Day, which we talk about a lot. And still, I find myself in all transparency counting the likes on my post, counting the numbers on my platforms. 
and I find myself either demeaning my purpose or hyper validating my purpose when not, neither one is a true measure of success. How I value success cannot depend on numbers or on likes on a public stamp of approval. That has to come from within my heart, within my sense of self, and it must come from within you. That's what this episode is dedicated to, to helping you become stronger every day in your perception of who you are. Receive is my one word for this year. And in a seminar the other day, I I felt the first level of that work has to be in receiving myself. Being able to know who I am, loving who I am, respecting who I am, embracing all of my good, bad, and uglies, my shadows, my lights. And that's what I want for you. If you need some help with that, I want to call you back to my second book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story. Maybe you have read Stronger Every Day and you you now need a little bit more work in strengthening your God-breathed sense of self. Well, Overcoming Hurtful Words is my own journey and I always hope my journey informs yours and it will take you back to the rudiments of what the Heartlift Method is all about, what a Heartlifter is, and how to understand why you think the way you think, why you do what you do, why you treat others the way you do, why you use your words in the way that you do. It's a primer on strengthening your sense of self. And so I call you back to that. I call you back to the episodes of season one, two, and three, where I go deeper and deeper into those rudimentary principles of a healthy sense of self. I call you back to that. If you've listened to them before, it's always good to listen again. And I call you to JanelleRairdon.com, where I have uh, so many resources available to you based on overcoming hurtful words, based on Genesis 2-7, based on developing and strengthening your sense of self so you can rewrite your story and live into a very meaningful, beautiful, remarkable 2022. Yeah, and I harder. was in harder. I think that, thank you, Pastor Rob, Pastor, I'm, that's pastoring me right now. Because I was in the pageant world, dance competitions, I was in that whole, you know, wow, if so you think could have danced and all that, so you think you could dance and all that stuff was back in my day, it would have been great. But I mean, that bit hard, pageants world, dance competition world is hard and the bites mm. drew blood. But the bite, and this is very scriptural, the bite of someone who calls you their beloved friend in Christ, a sister who loves you or a pastor who yeah. says they love. Wow. I almost didn't, worse. I didn't almost didn't get through that one. You know, I'm yeah, I mean, I've been through a couple of these things. You know, my wife and I, we planted three churches. We helped plant seven others. We wow. uh, I've consulted around the country in this. And so up two things. Um, I've seen it the hurt of my own life. I have also seen that splits and power struggles and hurts within church right now, it's an epidemic problem. Mm. I would say, I would say it's safe to say that about 70% of the 
of the godly, just awesome pastors that I know have either lost their church or gotten in a, a fight that split the church with the elder board. And I thought, you know, it, it didn't used to be that way, but it's almost mm, no. it's almost like a battle you're going to go through. It's almost guaranteed if you're going to be in ministry for a while that you're going to go through that. It's probably some courses in seminaries that weren't there before. Perhaps. They should be. They, they should right. be. That, that didn't teach me that back in the That's 1700s what I mean. when I... I understand. Yeah. So why do you think that is before we die? I think it's very related to your topic, but I'm wondering from a pastoral perspective, what, what your heart is. You went through it. You said that you started a small gathering in a home, right? In North Carolina, I'm guessing. Yeah. Just South of Charlotte. There was eight of us. Um, And, you know, maybe it grew too fast. Uh, I was just a young, starting out, newly married. The nursery was my son, you know, who's like six months old. And, and, you know, it it blew up in a good way. It just, Mm -hmm. we couldn't even stay. We had a tiger by the tail and the Lord changed lives. 6,000 people Mm -hmm. came to faith in Christ. We we ended up having campuses. Uh, I remember... I mean, there's much bigger churches now, but I, our, mm-hmm. our high water mark, we had about 5,000 people there on, on Easter. And it, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing as we saw lives changed. But what happened was I, I, I just got caught up in this thing. Social media was really just starting out. Mm-hmm. And I'm a high tech guy. I love anything new comes down the pike. Me too. To leverage. Yes. So I, I got into it, but I, I think it got into me. A little ah. more than I got into it. And, and you was know, it sneaky? You start, was it sneaky? You no, know, it was. You tell yourself as a, as a man or woman of God, you tell yourself, hey, I'm going to use this. This is all about Jesus. And it, and it probably is. Mm-hmm. But then when you, you don't get enough likes or somebody else comes to town and they get more followers than you or a church grows bigger, you know, you would think a pastor would be above that. But no, you know, and it didn't cause any, I don't think it really caused any issues at the church, but in my own heart, it was bad enough to where, you know, my own wife, even my kids, as they got older, they would say, you know, dad, like it says in the front of the way, you're, you're not fun anymore. You're, you're, you're so obsessed with this stuff. You're letting it get to you. And, yeah, you know, the was, long and short of it is, is uh, yeah, it's tough to hear that from your own. It was tough to read. It was, yeah. I, I, I. That's all I'm going to say. It was just tough to read because, you know, I have three adult children now and they're all married, but they're all very, we've made a a covenant. We made a commitment to be authentic and to, you know, I can't do what I do unless I have healthy behaviors and patterns and work with my own, within my own family. And so we made a commitment, you know, in their twenties, late twenties to be real, you know, and to have those hard conversations and Mm. to accept each other and then hold each other accountable. And it's really difficult when you're adult children and they don't have to be adult. A lot of children start holding their parents accountable a lot earlier. Like, Hey, this, this is, this isn't cool anymore. This ain't good. But I loved that. You you did something right though, Rob, for your children (laughs) to hold you accountable. They do. And, you know, I've only got two kids. We wanted more. We got, we got married kind of late, but the, um, the thing is they both love the Lord. They're both walking with Jesus Mm -hmm. Um, and listen, uh, we have the same thing with our family. I, you can tell me anything hard and difficult. You can anything, mm-hmm. but don't, don't play inauthentic and then let right. me hear 
you know, through the grapevine, how you really feel about me. I mean, we can work right. through anything like, man, you have been selfish lately. You mm-hmm. have, everything's about you. What's up? I love you, dad. Help, help me out. Yes. I can hear that mm-hmm. because I know these, I know my kids love me. I know my wife loves me, but if I find out three years later, oh man, your son was just rolling his eyes because he's like, I can't even work at that church. My dad, all he cares about that stuff will wound you so deeply. And I think you're not going to help anybody get better anyway by just faking it. If you really love Ugh. someone, tell them the truth. Well, that's what we're all about here. And I, I learned that the real hard way. And it's been, it's not easy for me. I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram. Some people poo it or whatever. I'm too. So I like everyone to like me. I also come from an alcoholic home. So I want to please everybody, all the the adult children of alcoholic things. I've worked really, really hard to be able to speak the truth and love. In my book that came out, I write all about what healthy assertiveness looks like. I'm a student of that. I I didn't know how to do it. You know, I'll never ask anybody to do anything I don't do myself. And so to be a leader, man, you know, you got to lead your own home well. And, and you and you do that. You write about that and you do that. I mean, have you had that experience on uh, social media where, um, uh, what's the right? <laughs> you know what? I have it all the time. I just had it okay. today. I had a uh, a gal, and you know, I'm really trying to help. And 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 there's a gal on Instagram. You know, I was talking about how to be an authentic man. I can't even remember what post it was. Only three mm-hmm. or four posts ago, mm-hmm. and uh, she was she's obviously been hurt. And I was looking down yeah. through the comments, and she said, it, "You know, it's men like you and fake pastors that are the problem in the first place." And I thought, Ooh, I have ouch. no idea who she is. Never <laughs> met her. She's never met and you. I'm, no. And I thought, how do you know? How do you, how do you know me? So, you know, I kind of went on there and was looking at where she's coming from and there's a lot of hurt. I could see that, uh, that she's been hurt, especially by men. And so, uh, it's funny, somebody trying to help, especially heal, especially women who have maybe gone through something like what she's gone through. Uh, she's kind of put them all in a, in a barrel and said, you're the problem. And I thought, wow, no, I, at least in this case, I'm not, but yeah. your your comment really demonstrates how hurtful this stuff is. So I mean, it's hurting you and you're mm-hmm. almost shooting the messenger. It's you know, without it's, knowing the messenger. Yeah. So yeah. there's that false sense of intimacy, that false sense of connection that you write so beautifully about. If if you I'm gonna read this, I've already introduced this one paragraph uh, in our pregame show. But I just, you write about social goggles. Oh my God. I mean, we're both wearing glasses. So it's like, I just, it arrested my attention. Instead of rose colored glasses, we now view the world through social goggles. Instead of defining our worth by who we are. You just said that. She doesn't even know who you are. You know who you are. She doesn't know. We have learned to define our worth by how we're seen by others, by who likes us or not. That is a whole lot of power to give to a bunch of avatars. I just love that sentence. I was like, that's so good. Yep. The people you are hoping will validate your existence aren't real. They're not real. No, they're, they're not real. Your, uh, you know, a friend of mine said this, and, and this is it in not just pictures or avatars, but He said, I mean, look how caught up we get in this and not realize that when we get jealous or lonely or depressed because we spent too much time on social media, we are getting upset that we don't measure up 
or equal somebody else and not even stop and think they're not putting their worst moment on social media. Oh they're my gosh. Their no. Highlight reel. Oh, there. you, I, I've already read, I read the other paragraphs that have to do with that. And I told everybody to, to look on, Oh, let me get the page number. Come on. Come on. Well, never mind. I'm sitting here without it's a in, book. It's okay. It's in the book, social <laughs> goggles. Um, how we show everybody our persona mm-hmm. instead of our personhood. I thought that was a, a very, very clear distinction that I'm now going to be adding into my practice and in my life for sure. You know, we we do show a persona. Like I was posting a picture last week on Instagram. My husband's an avid golfer. I am a golf widow. I love it. I do not play, but I, I am so involved in all the lives that I follow them on, on Instagram, you know? And so we got to go to a champions tour and Phil Mickelson and all VJ Singh and oh yeah. And it was just Bernhard longer. And I was like, oh my God. And so we went, but we didn't talk to each other the whole way up there because the night before we'd had a very strong, it was a Friday. Our weeks had been treacherously difficult and we were exhausted and man, you know, the old devil came in like he does. And we were just exhausted and just didn't just had a little tete-a-tete, nothing fierce, just a misunderstanding. But I shut down, he shut down, which we try very hard not to do anymore. But we were tired. Yeah. We were exhausted. And so we didn't talk to each other the whole up there. But the whole day, I'm like, snapping these pictures. Ah, yeah, you know, I wanted to go. <laughs> do you know what happened on the way there? <laughs> Yeah, just did it. And I'm not afraid of doing it. And I'm probably going to start doing it more or I'm just going to stop doing social media because it just takes, I don't know, somehow I don't, I feel disconnected from my true self as well. Does that make sense? You know, it does. And a lot of people don't know this This will probably kill me on this. And I don't care, (laughs) but I, uh, I I do very little of the, of the social media myself. Um, sure. I've got a team. Yes. Yeah. They take a great percentage of it. They get mm-hmm. the stuff about the gospel, different things Lucky say you. about the word of God, because I don't want to spend that much time. So I give it away just because I'm managing the actual yes. physical amount of time I'm going to spend or not spend on social media. I just won't do it. Well, I'm glad to hear that on this one hand, because I'm <laughs> jealous and really love to have a team do it so that I could focus on deep work. I would think as a pastor, I mean, your sermons change lives, right? I, I would think that that would take, I don't know about you, but even as an author and as a Bible teacher and as a writer, I don't spend, I don't even, I would say 80% of my time used to be in such deep work. I didn't have any distractions. Like when my kids were little and we had none of this. I dug into them. I'm Strong's Concordance, that big book you opened. And then I opened my big yeah. Webster's 1828 and I opened up this Matthew Henry's commentary and I opened up and they were all on the table in front of me. That's how I looked things up. That's, That's how I researched. How I, roll. <laughs> I love it. It's so old school. And it's like, I love it. I love to touch the paper because if I'm online, unless I cut everything off and even then somehow they sneak in, I'm like, oh, 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 you know, so it, is it a distraction from the deep work? Have you seen a transformation? I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I'm just curious, like in your, in your ability to focus, your ability to ugh, disconnect. You know what? Yes. And I will say this. I think if we think this is just a new problem 
Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all technology. I don't think we're going to solve it right. Cause if you look, if you read the book, you realize I want people to know pretty quick that the poster child for, you know, narcissism and, and obsession and all was King Saul in the Bible. Talk to us about this. Yes, please. This is so good. Well, right. And so in a sense, I preached a sermon on this probably about eight, nine years ago. So this book was in the works even then. And, um, you know, when I was going through my own battle with this and it's funny because I use football terms and I say, when, when God gave a, a people who had gotten a little bit shallow through the book of judges and they said, Hey, we want to be like the other nations. We want to choose a King. We want our own King. We don't want to be a theocracy. So God basically said, all right, you get the first draft pick and they pick Saul. And listen, the only thing said about him as far as who he was is that he was head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel and very handsome. So you got a a Brad Pitt that could dunk a basketball and that's the whole thing. That's who they pick. But then, you know, uh, I look at this and I go, wait a minute, this is really good because when the nation, you know, basically um, is a train wreck, God said, okay, you had your pick. Now I'm going to show you how to pick and I'm going to get the second round choice. And I'm going to pick a a little boy who's out there watching sheep right now. And I'm going to develop him uh, uh, in the caves and in loneliness into somebody who has a heart after my own heart. Mm -hmm. He's not going to care that much about what the people think, but ironically, he's going to get all that thrown in because he doesn't worship it. King Saul's going to worship it. You know, I'll give you one example. When, uh, when he's king, he's only been king for a few years and they're meeting the Philistines. Of course, you know the story. Most people know that the probably 15 or 16 year old David fought Goliath and yeah. won. Well, he was a, he was a superstar. He was TikTok famous. So they, they start TikTok singing. TikTok famous. That's so true. Five stones. Oh my gosh. That's hysterical. I've never thought of him in that framework. Sorry, I had to have a moment. That's funny. <laughs> Well, they, you know, they write songs about him. So it says yes. the women were singing this song mm-hmm. and we know some of the song. We know that they sang Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. So right there, King Saul started his struggle and his obsession mm-hmm. with self-worship. And rather than looking at the character of David, all he could do is hate him. He's That's like, so his true. avatar looks better. He has more followers on Instagram. And so from that day on, you know, every, everybody today has the ability to manipulate mm. um, social media to sort of build their own little kingdom. Back then, Saul had the ability to do something the rest of the people didn't have. He had the kingdom at his disposal so he could, you know, he can get judges to go his way. He can get yeah. generals, captains and all to go his way. So mm-hmm. he used all the social media he had to try to put out an avatar of himself and get people to like him. And he failed at every turn because he didn't care about his own character. He didn't care Mm -hmm. about God liking him. Here's David comes along and all he cares about is God liking him. And it's so crazy because God said, I love your heart so much. The people are going to love you. The women are going to love you. The youth are going to love you all because he didn't make that his God. So you look at King Saul and David, they couldn't be more different. That's why they are the biblical recipe I follow throughout the book. Oh, and it's so rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a care. This is an issue. This is not a new problem. Nope, not at all. It's just a problem on steroids now because of social media. Right. Now, anybody can play the game now. But I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
um, the principles are the same. They don't change through time and history. The the things that we face, the enemies we face, you know, the, they might be Goliaths, they might be Philistines, they might be, you know, Jebus, whatever. But the principles underneath, the principalities and the powers of darkness to me don't change. Is that no, a true statement? Change. They don't change. The well, manipulation say, you just talked about, the manipulation, no, that doesn't change. Spirit of comparison. In the garden. It so. was. It absolutely was. Uh, there was something else in the garden that hasn't changed. Um, Tell me. And if I was to rewrite part of this, I think I would spend more time on what I've discovered even after the book came out. Oh, always. Is really the main problem. Tell us, please. I love this. Well, uh, you know, the serpent in the garden, he tried to get um, Eve and then Adam to basically not worship God, but worship themselves. So it's this thing called self-worship. What yeah. was Saul doing? He was not leading the people to God. He he fell for the thing of, I want them to worship me. I want to be the big shot. Mm-hmm. And today, what do we do? You know, we don't have, you know, the temple. We have the temple of Facebook. We have the temple of Instagram. We all, we set up our own little churches and, and our own little fiefdoms. And then through the avatar and through the words we say to describe ourselves and through the marketing of ourselves, <laughs> we're setting up little churches. We're setting up little mini worship. Here's why that's a problem, because you and I, we were never meant to carry the weight of worship. We can't. Oh, gosh. Please oh, say oh that again. God can do Please that. say that again. Lean in here, guys. This is our lean-in moment. Well, what happens we were not we were created. never meant to carry the weight of worship? Only God can do that. So we're trying to lift something we can't even pick up. It'll crush us if we try to do it. And it does every time. You. So that's the mm. real problem. That is really, um, I almost want to say bye so I can go get on my face before God because it's like you, Janelle Reardon, were not created to carry the weight of worship. You, Rob, and you know what, though? People do it, it's the greatest temptation to, I, I would say, when people don't take this or over like serious, it would be for the following reason. They would say, oh, come on, I'm just trying to connect with people. Come on, I'm just, I I don't want worship. But listen, Mm -hmm. if you look at an Instagram post and you look at it and go, why didn't that get a lot of likes? Mm -hmm. Aren't you just cracking the door? Why does that even bother you? Thank you. I don't have as many followers as Mm so-and-so. Why does that bother you? Because Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of trying to create or carry something you weren't you're in an arena you're not meant to be in. You shouldn't be there. Wow. And that's I why it bothers you. It's like we're walking into an arena full of lions. That's really crazy. And, I think that's really powerful, we're, Rob. I'm thinking we're at, at Disneyland. <laughs> you know, so not- I just think that that is really um, a very serious moment that I want my listeners to sit down and contemplate and you know, especially this speaks really speaks to me because I am in the industry of publishing, Christian publishing, Christian, all that. And, you know, so many sites and things say, do not even attempt to reach out to us unless you have 10,000, 20,000 followers. So it is a perpetual, but it's yeah. true, Rob. It's true. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a beast. It's a perpetual I got beast. That speech. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's a call to become disingenuous. And this is not just in, um, you know, we're not just ditching 
the Christian market or, or Christians at all. This is in the secular market as well. I have a daughter that writes in that arena. So, you know, so there is the perpetual beast that's always calling us to disenfranchise ourselves. You write in page 13, I wrote that down on Kindle. We lose the real story of who we are when we curate ourselves for the benefit of others. Yeah, absolutely. I just think this is such a serious matter. And I'm so thankful you said yes to honor us with your time here today, Rob, because I think if something doesn't change, we're really in for a very dangerous situation because I do see us all building our own little kingdoms, myself included. And I'm at that point through the COVID wilderness of being alone and seeking God of like, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What the heck? And I didn't say heck are you doing, you know, um, my value of life, my, my, like your children saying, dad, you're not any fun anymore. I don't even know how to have fun anymore. Like all I want to do is work and post and work and post and work. And I work at home. So it's terrible and everything is at home. So I can just, you know, I just think it's a very dangerous situation. I wanted to ask you this very important question. If you can help us today in the time that we have left, you know, because we have, we have revealed the manipulation, the subtleties of this really powerful mechanism, social media and all of this. I love that people in Zimbabwe and Tanzania are, re- are listening to my podcast. How fascinating is that? I've never probably get there in my lifetime. When I see that happening, I'm like, this is so awesome. Yeah, and that's great, isn't it? it isn't it great. It's like, that's what I see it as a medium for, but how can we Pastor Rob, how can we keep our lives from easily, subtly, subtly slipping from authentic, loving relationships into artificial lives? What are the warning signs? What can you offer us as a means of hope and maybe an action step that today um, someone will go, you know what? I need to put my dang phone down. We check our phones an average of 150 times a day. Ouch. I was putting the laundry away the other day and it's just me and my husband in the house. And I had my phone in my right hand. I was like, why am I having such trouble holding all this laundry? And I went, (laughs) Oh my God, why have I got my phone in my hand? Right. What, what are just, you you, uh, let me give you a couple different angles at that one. One thing you reminded me of when you said Zimbabwe and all, you know, three months before the, well, COVID was, was happening. And um, it was going to be about a year before uh, the book, um, <clears throat> came out, we were in six countries in, um, oh. in Africa. And, uh, you know, I was giving talks and Bobby is one of oh. them. Rwanda, my Kenya necklace Egypt. on my Ken, Kenya coin. I just got it done. Just got to put for my birthday. My Kenya's got a special place. In my I heart. love okay. it. We're going back in 2022 oh. to Ghana. I'd love to go. Love it. Uh, and what happened was, I, this is why I sped up the, um, you know, working on over liked because though we went to six countries and spoke on this a little bit, you know, with what I knew before the book was even finished, every single country, every single church that knew it was coming said, Pastor Rob, would it surprise you to know that we think this is the biggest issue, not just in our country, on the entire continent of Africa? And here's why they said that. They said, you know, you may think because of the riches of America and all this is just an American problem. And everybody, especially in Zimbabwe, is very poor. They were just saying, mm-hmm. listen, I know, I know teenagers, they don't have a roof over their head. They have nowhere to go. They still have a smartphone. That's crazy. I mean, absolutely. What, Haiti, you can go to Haiti and people yes. are living, 
you know, in, in, in abject, just incredible poverty, but they make sure they find a way to get on uh-huh. the internet. So this is mm-hmm. quite bluntly, maybe the greatest concern and the biggest problem on the planet right now. I agree. You're supposed to go back to all those six countries oh. uh, and teach on this. So now you asked, mm. what can you do to really help? Yeah, Number give us a one, preview of lying. those teachings. <laughs> well, stop lying to yourself. I, I, I uh. did a podcast on, on Proverbs 31, and it was the most comments they'd gotten in about a, a year. I did one of their devotionals. I so that bet. woke them up a little bit. And they said, what's going on? Well, I said, well, let me get in there and, 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 and talk to some of these people. Well, the majority of them, and I wasn't hard on them, but I was honest, were grandparents and parents who said, oh, my goodness, we need this. This is so important. I got to get this for my kids. I, I know this for so-and-so there. And I, I immediately went back and wrote a lot of them and did a follow-up. And I said, why are so many of you seeing the value only for someone else in this? How are you going to help your kids <laughs> if you're really saying you have no issue with this? Yeah. I when mean, the average age 55 that. to 62 is six hours on Facebook a day. Hello. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be you, honest. First of all, <laughs> you have an issue. So if you're going to take your kids or your grandkids through this book, Take them to get the study guide and, and take them through it with yourself. Take yourself mm-hmm. through it first. I mean, how are you going to help them when you haven't even read it? You're just hearing little little tidbits and saying this is a real issue, you know, for Gen Z. This is a real issue for millennials. No, it's a real issue for boomers. It's a real issue. Oh, for my gosh. Everyone. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not trying to say, gee, I, I discovered the the silver bullet. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. I think it's how we started, you know, because I'm saying that, uh, you know, when we started, I admitted in the beginning of the book, I'm a pastor. I should know better. And Why do you say I that? Start- Why do you say that? I love that you're saying that and you're being so honest, but you are a human being. You know, because I'm. You just I'm hold yourself to a better God. standard. Mm-hmm. I do. And I'm a shepherd. Yeah. And what yeah. does a shepherd do? They're trying to bring along. Well, it's the sure flock. nice to hear. Well, how. How well are you going to do bringing along the flock if you don't admit that you've got one of the main issues in your own life? You're trying to bring them along in. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's it's not going to do me any good to write a book on authenticity when no. I'm inauthentic with myself. And so, I would just I guess mean, you look, were really challenged because anytime I I have to write on a subject, I'm like, eh, yeah, boom, you know, it's like immediately challenged and and checked. How do you check yourself then? How do you check yourself from looking at, uh-oh, the book only has 6,000 reviews on Amazon. Why does it not have 10,000 reviews like so-and-so over there? Or, Well, first of all, it doesn't have 6,000. <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, speaking uh, it into being. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't really oh, good. bother me because honestly, I God's going to do what he's going to do with this book. And I want him to use it for his kingdom. I want him to use it to help people. Like I think I told you when we were talking before we went live, um, I I was telling you that this book came out and it's been out for four or five months before the Christian world even really knew it existed. Mm -hmm. It was completely non-Christian, secular, that grabbed a hold of it uh, and can see the problem. They're months, if not years ahead of the church. I mean, people that don't know Christ at all are saying, hey, I'll buy this. I mean, I've had some low reviews mm-hmm. where people said, hey, I love the book, except for all this religion. Right, <laughs> thinking, right. Well, uh, if you do realize it was written by a pastor, so I, I right. think you probably Surprise! should <laughs> that God will come into play in this a little bit. 
Yes, so, I will um, use that. Yeah. But I do want to say this. And I, I do want to say that um, you asked how how can yes. I get help? So I don't want to get away from that. No, uh, please. We need every help. single chapter has a has a, a follow-up at the end where it causes you to think through what you just read. Um, what does God want you to do today? What are some short changes I can make right now? Perfect. And I would say those are almost like like little checkpoints along the way where you can see how deep in this thing am I. As you get to the end, I have um, uh, the Love Reboot. Yeah, tell us and about Love a, Reboot as we're closing because I think it's so great. Well, we did it as a church. Every every January and August, we do 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And um, in August, we did the Love Reboot. And that's for people who've gotten all the way through the book and they're finding out these little changes you know, a little less time on Facebook, a little less time on TikTok um, is not helping, then I would say, listen, it may be that you are in deeper than you really yes. were honest about you. And if you have That's a true. real issue, it takes weeks to form a habit, not days, oh, not hours, Oh, yes, weeks. yes. So 93 say, days, I think, something like that, according to the newest research by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason I like you know, it may say, well, this isn't long enough. Well, the reason I do like 21 days is because it's 21 days of prayer and fasting. So uh, I think that prayer and fasting will turbocharge. It'll help you to go Mm -hmm. um, deeper. And, you know, it's not going to be super easy, Mm -hmm. but look, if somebody needs to lose weight, they're not going to be able to say, Hey, give me the pizza diet. I love that one. (laughs) It's not easy. It's It's no transformation is called transformation because it is arduous. I always say it's not easy, but it's empowering. And you just have to stay on the course one day at a time. That is, and sometimes it's one hour at a time. So even, you know, Hey, heart lifters, we want to change the world one heart lift at a time. And so I'll, I'll be the first in line to uh, commit to cutting my phone off at least even, you know, I, I wrote my very first book back in the arc, dark ages of 2007. You know, I was homeschooling and we would cut the radio off for 30 minutes a day. You know, it's like the radio. <laughs> the radio. What's a radio? I don't even know. Like the, we would just take the voicemail off, the phone off the hook, you know, and this is, this was, so it's, it's not a new problem, but we can say we're going to be aware And we are going to begin making a movement towards disconnection from false intimacy today. You know, I wrote in my book, go ahead. And I will help you. I mean, I, I, you asked me, you know, how do you keep from looking at it? Mm -hmm. I think you release it. I've given this Mm -hmm. book to God and I'm saying, God, if you want to, whoever you want to use this with to help them, that's, that's why I wrote it. Yeah. I mean, I I never thought it was going to be, and nor do I still, I mean, I didn't write this going, this is, I found a, a really cool end around what a marketing niche. This whole, yeah. I mean, if I wrote it for that reason, then yeah, then we're in trouble. I just wrote a really dumb, yeah. you know, the whole thing is about being inauthentic or, or being mm-hmm. authentic. And I just wrote a book inauthentically. That's about, correct. So, yeah. So no, it was, I'm still waiting to see what the Lord wants to do. I was going to offer you something too. We had a guy in our church, um, who purchased a bunch of these because he just wanted to be able to, he said, listen, if you do radio or podcast and you need to give some away, then give them away, you know, give them. So sweet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This guy, this guy's one of the best person. 
So I'll leave that up to you. But if you want to tell your listeners to, if you want oh, to yeah. do some kind of giveaway or something. I sure will. They'll have to like my page. Yeah. <laughs> They'll have to like your page. Like my page. I recommend you read this book. <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. I will gladly offer that. We will give away some books because this is probably the new year. And so we want to really um, enter into the new year from a new framework, a new frame of mind and a new frame of purpose. So thank you so much. And I just want to end by asking, so your children challenged you a long time ago, like, dad, you're just not fun anymore. So uh, what is the last funnest, most fun thing you have done? Uh, man, if it's with my uh, kids, my son is, is um, I, I mean, my kids are my best friends, but my son is, is kind of the polar opposite. He's got hair down to here. And oh, love he's it. a... <laughs> He's a rock climber. He's out in Africa now, Ooh. building a rock climbing gym in Morocco. And, what? Um, Who gets that just, job? He well, if you, he's just a wild man. In fact, I'm let me just tell you this. Um, Lisa Turker said this about him. I've never, I've never. Well, uh, when I say it, you'll be. She said, "I still in all my travels, all the pastors, everyone I've met, I have never met anyone in my life." more like Jesus than <gasps> Rob's son, Nathan. Oh, I, I mean, that's, I agree. He's what a compliment. Like joyful. So the most fun, you know, that I have is honestly when Julianne and my daughter or my son take me out and get me to do insane things. Yes. You know, I grew up racing and snow skiing. So what does my son want to do? He wants to see if we can hit 60 miles an hour at my age. And, oh, it's fun. You know, so, so I still do. That's right. You live in Colorado, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Lucky you. So it's it's a blast. I bet. I know. We're looking at where to retire, so that could be an option. Except in the winter. Except in the winter. We'll go to, my oldest lives in Uruguay, South America, so we'll winter there. Wow. Their winter is our summer. Our summer is their winter. I know. It's pretty pretty awesome. How fun. Yeah, it is. It's very lovely way of life there. Very lovely way of life. Rob, thank you. From the bottom of all of our hearts. We really appreciate the time you gave us today. And I know that it's going to be helpful. So keep studying, keep doing the deep work and please stay authentic. Um, we're going to all pray that, that I believe you are and you will, and that God is going to advance his kingdom through your work. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.